Your scriptures say are Mark 9, verses 2 to 10. Six days later, Jesus took him, Peter, James, and John, and led them up to a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became a dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Eliza, Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead man could mean. The text we looked at this morning really is about the question of who is Jesus? Uh, A question that pops up a lot in all the Gospels, but in particular Mark seems to want to deal with this question of who is Jesus. Uh, To his disciples, they call him rabbi. And in fact, they seem a little confused quite often about who Jesus is. And one of the themes that happens throughout Mark is that the, the disciples are pretty clueless until the resurrection. And it's only through the light of the resurrection that who Jesus is makes sense. Uh, of course, Jesus' uh, opponents, those who oppose him, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, they call him a, a heretic and a lunatic and a lot of other things. It seems like uh, only Gentiles and demons really know who Jesus is in the Bible. They all refer to him as Son of God, and uh, the demons get all freaked out and ask what the Son of God wants to do with them, and, and it seems like Samaritans seem to have a pretty good grip on who Jesus is. But those who are closest to him uh, seem a little in the dark about the whole thing. Although in the passage, right before the passage we read this morning, uh, we hear Peter's declaration. Jesus pointedly asked this question, well, who do people think I am? And some of the disciples said, well, some think you're John the Baptist. Come back to life. Uh, Because if you remember, John the Baptist lost his head uh, to Herod uh, over a, a bad deal there. And some thought that. And some say you are Elijah. Come back uh, to life, the prophet Elijah, and it was only it was Peter who nailed it on the head. You are the Messiah, and in other gospels, uh, Peter even adds the Son of the Living God. But in this particular gospel, it just says the Messiah, which means the Anointed One. You're the one who's going to fix everything, going to make it all right. You're going to bring about God's kingdom again. And Jesus commends. Peter for that, but it seems like Peter wasn't even really sure what he was saying because five minutes later, uh, Jesus calls him Satan and tells him to get out of the way. So, you know, either Jesus is a little moody or Peter's still not quite grasping what's going on. But on this day, Jesus grabs Peter, James, and John. We'll assume they're the favorites. You know, I don't, I hate to think that Jesus plays favorites, but it, you know, it seems like he does because he takes these three guys. 
And they go up the mountain. And while they're up there, Jesus is transfigured, we're called. And the Greek word here is, the, is, is metamorpho. It's the same word we get metamorphosis from. It's this complete transfiguration, this complete transformation. But really what James, John, and Peter have experienced here is seeing Jesus as Jesus really is. This glorified Son of God who is on par with Moses and Elijah. Moses and Elijah appear in this scene as well. And there's a lot of debate about what the significance of Moses and Elijah is there. Some say it's to affirm uh, the law represented by Moses and the prophets. That is to connect Jesus' ministry to the, the Old Testament, to the, to the covenant that God had with God's people long before Jesus through Moses and Elijah. Uh, some have said it's just to, to uh, that it, it is an example of uh, the resurrection uh, because uh, culturally and, and in common lore of the time, Moses and Elijah are, are two people who didn't experience death but were actually just lifted to heaven. And I, uh, I know one of our books records Moses' death, but a, an extra biblical book that's not in the Bible seems to suggest otherwise there's another story about Moses going to heaven and that was that was the one everyone liked so <laughs> uh, so that story was around so maybe it's a it's an affirmation of the resurrection uh, anyway there's a lot of debate about why Moses and Elijah might be standing there uh, talking with Jesus at any rate what Peter James and John experienced here was something incredibly unique Jesus took them and revealed His whole self to them. And uh, a voice reiterated what was declared upon Jesus' baptism early, you know, at the beginning of Mark. A voice from heaven came out of the clouds and said, This is my Son, the Beloved. And then it adds, in this instance, listen to Him. That was directed toward Peter, James, and John. But declaring there in front of them, this is who Jesus is. This glorified figure you see before you is my son, the beloved. What an incredible gift and blessing that must have been. And of course, Peter's reaction uh, along with it is to create a safe space there for Jesus to just be the Son of God, to just glow in the glory of all that Jesus is and to just stay there. Uh, to build a, and he was going to build a shrine for Elijah and Moses and Jesus right there. But Jesus stops and says, no. Returns to the human-looking Jesus that they all knew and loved and went down the mountain to, re, to continue the ministry. And yet, Peter, James, and John would never look at Jesus the same again. Peter, James, and John had this incredible insight into who, into who Jesus is. And what a blessing that must have been for Jesus. And Jesus even told them, don't go around telling people about this. This is just, this is just for you guys. Again, playing favorites, right? This is just for you three guys. I'm just showing you this 
uh, you're the ones I want to share this with. So don't share this with anyone else till later. But this is just for you. And I think, what a blessing that must have been for Jesus to have someone, three guys who knew Jesus in a way that no one else really did. And so when Jesus had these crazy plans or whatever, I, you know, and everyone's getting, maybe when the other disciples, when Andrew is like, I don't even know what this guy's doing. I, maybe I should just go back to fishing. And then James can pull him aside and go, no, 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 Andrew, trust me. You're going to want to stick around for this. He knows what he's doing. Trust me. You know, they could, they could advocate. They had that little edge on everyone else that maybe helped them get through the difficult times. What an amazing blessing it is when we are known by someone. When we can fully reveal ourselves to people. And that's, it's a rare thing. Like Jesus, maybe you and certainly me, maybe there's two, three people at most really know deep down incredible blessing that is when you when you have that person in your life hopefully like me it's someone you're married to but uh, <laughs> or but there you know there's others that when and the blessing that comes from that is is first of all it, it affirms who you are when someone knows you and knows your deepest darkest whatever and knows you for all your warts and all the the real the real truth of who you are and they love you anyway what an affirmation <laughs> what a great thing to to know that you you've seen me you've seen me at my ugliest and you love me anyway what an affirmation and you don't feel so strange anymore you know they know all those weird things you think and uh and you the, you share them and they still love you anyway and the other thing is that it it is uh it is an encouragement uh, it is something that, that spurs you along. You don't feel so alone in the world. You, don't, you feel like someone really knows you and understands you. You feel understood and affirmed. But it can also be a frightening thing. You know, it can, it can make you feel vulnerable and exposed. And I wonder if Jesus felt a little bit of that in this situation. All of a sudden, his big secret was out. I have this experience all the time. This is ha- since since the day I was ordained. This has happened a couple of times a year. A couple of times a year, someone who has a heavy weight on their shoulder, whether it's something they've done or something that's been done to them, co- makes an appointment, comes into my office, and they just want to sh- they want to tell somebody what what they, what is weighing heavy on them, and they share they share with me, and I pray with them, and. I never see them again. Because all of a sudden, they feel so exposed. They feel so vulnerable. And they feel like I, they feel like I, I know everything about them now. And they just feel so raw and vulnerable. It's a special relationship to be able to feel that vulnerable and, and still be able to share that relationship. But those are the relationships that really allow us to grow and become and be who we are. And I'll tell you this too. That is the kind of relationship that God had in mind when Jesus called us into community. 
Jesus wanted us to be in the kinds of relationships where we could truly be ourselves. And Jesus wants that here. Jesus wants that here in this space, this sacred space, to be a place where we can let our guard down and let our glory show. And just be who we are. And where it's okay when, it's vul- when we're vulnerable because we know that we are going to be loved, affirmed, and understood no matter what. I don't know that, I don't know that any church is really there yet. I don't know that we're really there yet, but I think that's where God is taking us. And really what I want to get at today is that that is the kind of relationship that God through Christ is trying to have with us. The reality is that God knows us already better than we know ourselves. Sometimes, sometimes it's us that needs to see who we are because we're a little in the dark about who we really are. But, but God knows us deeply and loves us overwhelmingly. But there's something special about that relationship goes up a notch when we say to God, I want you to know everything about me and I want to share it with you and I want to have that kind of relationship where you know my deepest, darkest secrets, where you know the times I feel ugly, and where you can show me how you see me. Because I guarantee you this, that the way God looks at you is a lot closer to this transfigured, glorified Christ than that battered, beaten carpenter view. (laughs) Jesus looks at you and sees glory, sees beauty, sees something lovely and lovable and worth loving and worth dying for. That's the kind of deep, intimate, loving relationship God longs to have with you and with me. And I think for our part, it starts with our being willing to go to God and say, God, I know you know me deeply. I want to share with you those things that are hard for me to tell anybody else. And I want you to show me who I really am. So it's my prayer that as we journey on our faith that we come to those moments when we can really share ourselves and be vulnerable before God. Because I promise you it'll, it'll make for a deeper, more significant, more transformational, transfigurational even, relationship between yourself and the living Christ. I'm going to invite the praise band to come up and get ready while I pray. A loving and gracious God, as we come to this text that is very familiar, this very familiar story of you going up the mountain and being transfigured uh, before Peter, James, and John, we, we recognize how special it is that you show yourself to these three and how incredible it is that we have you who knows us so well. And we can be completely honest with You and show You who we really are. Help us to do that in the hopes of having a deep and abiding relationship with You. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.